terms, but because he worked for the government, he was able to get a visa, a tourist visa to get me out of the country. And, you know, with a lot of tears and a lot of emotions, she was able to let me go with my dad to come to the States. And that was a tough time, because I didn't really know him. My dad, you know, sometimes we look at stereotypes in, in, in cultures, and, you know, a lot of the stereotypes for our culture, for our Latino culture, were true with my dad. Very macho, alcoholic abusive, and even though I was saved from the war in Nicaragua, leaving everything I knew behind, could you guys hear me? Were you guys not hearing me before? So, so? Okay. So I was able to get out with my dad from the country. We got the last plane out of Nicaragua for six months. They closed the airport down. 
On the way to the airport, we saw a man being executed in front of his family. And, you know, these were the memories that I had leaving the country. And then coming here in the late 70s, there, there was, unfortunately, a lot of uh, racism, a lot of prejudice. You know, go back to your own country, wet back. Uh, it, that, that was kind of the reception coming here. And it was very sad. It was a very lonely feeling. We moved into a primarily Mexican neighborhood. And being Nicaraguan, being Mexican are very different things. And so even the language, the way we spoke, was very different. And so trying to understand even people that spoke Spanish was oftentimes like, what, what, what do you mean by that? Um, you know, and not speaking the English language, I, ha- I had to learn how to, you know, how to speak English and, and how to re-speak a different sort of Spanish. Um, you know, eventually my mom was able to come to the country. She, she was married here. Uh, but I had a lot of bitterness in my heart, and I turned to drugs alcohol, uh, struggled a lot with depression, anxiety, distrust, didn't even trust my own parents uh, in many ways, and I was empty and searching for meaning in my life. But I really understood that God had saved me and that God had really gone after me the way he did and brought me here for a greater purpose. I just hadn't found it yet, but I was desperate and searching for that and Many times I just felt like, you know, giving up. But God reached out to me even when I wasn't reaching out to him. I had prayed, but that's about all I had done. God saved me from myself and from this mess. And I had some, uh, I had some brothers reach out to me my senior year in college. In March of 1994, I studied the Bible with them and was able to be baptized. And I, I had a live-in girlfriend at the time who now happens to be my wife, uh, Kristen. <laughs> And she became a disciple a week after I did. She almost beat me to, uh, to the water. And what I had found in the church, or what God had brought me to, brought us, through, brought us to, was a dream come true. You know, you guys are a dream come true for people like me. This is incredible. I felt like I had come home. I felt like I didn't belong, perhaps, in Nicaragua or maybe even the United States. I felt like in the church, I have a place. I belong. In high school, I felt like an outcast. You know, I was a troublemaker. I just had a lot of issues. And being a disciple of Jesus has not been without its challenges, but nothing is better than what we have. You know, God's love to me is obvious. He has saved me time and time again. You know, and our marriage has been incredible. We have three incredible kids. And then... The end of 2020 came, and we had been going through a lot of challenges in the ministry at the time, a lot of chaos, and then the pandemic hits. You know, and even as we're going through a lot as a church, as a church leadership, the pandemic kicked off a lot of things. It got the ball rolling on some things that I think we needed to be made aware of. There was a lot of change, a lot of feelings hurt. And helping people work through their feelings is a challenging thing. As a minister and as a leader, you carry other people's feelings with you whether you like it or not. You think, okay, I'm going to be able to separate this and be healthy. It's very difficult. And you, as you talk to your friends and you know people that are struggling, you know it's difficult. You know, even as Danielle and Scott and Kristen and I talk, and sometimes we have issues going on because of the stuff we hear and uh, 
you know, we're, we're struggling with certain things and, and most of the time we help each other, but other times we're like, I can't believe that happened. You know, we kind of fall into the same trap. You guys ever notice that? There's a lot of feelings that we have. It, it's awesome to be a Christian, but it's tough because we're not perfect. And we sin against each other. But we have direction from God's Word to address each other in truth and to love, to love each other and to resolve issues. It's awesome to have this family that we have. It's awesome that we have the Word in place to kind of help us have some boundaries. It's not easy to live this life, but where else could we go to? What else do we have but Jesus? The kingdom life is amazing. And I want to share with you a scripture that I would go to constantly for comfort. Knowing that despite all the chaos around me and the feelings that I had inside of me and those that people were expressing to me, that God would get me through it and He would always be my comfort. And Psalm 23, and I know you guys all know this scripture very well. And for some reason, the New King James Version speaks to me louder than other ones. It says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, I walk, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When I'm going through tough times, when I find myself really struggling and not knowing where to turn, because even though you could turn to friends and family and those that are close to you, there's nothing like going to God. We need to, God, we need to go to God first before we go to anybody else. And look, look to His Word and look to prayer and look to our walk with Him for comfort. Because He is our shepherd. He loves us and He knows us better than anyone else. And because we have Him that way, there's not going to be anything in our heart that we desire more than Him, more than His peace. It says that He makes us lie down in green pastures. You know how awesome it is to lie down in green, fresh grass? It's like, oh, it just brings you comfort. And He leads us Besides still waters, he, he restores our soul. And that's what I felt like during times of trouble. And not just at the, at the end of 2020 and all through 2021 or, or throughout 2020, but at different times in my life where I was hurting. You know, just when we thought, Kristen and I, that things would be okay. December 2020. We're like, okay, you know what? We're past a lot of this stuff. We, we actually started interviewing people for the ministry to help us out. We had nailed down the Barretos, the Kirkpatricks, uh, I, I believe Mikhail, uh, you know, Roy and Alicia. It was like, we're going to get some reprieve. This is going to be awesome going into 2021. It's going to be incredible. And at the end of December, my whole family comes down with COVID. 
and I locked myself in the room because I didn't have it. And sure enough, January 2nd, I came down with COVID. And it was just a sniffles at first, and I just wasn't feeling well. And then we had to call the ambulance on January 7th because my heart was at about 160, 165 beats per minute. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't move. And they took me in by ambulance to the hospital. And, you know, they came in. They didn't want to touch me. And as I got to the hospital, they put me in a hallway because the hospital was so crowded with people. And about four hours later, as they put me through a machine, they realized that I had a pulmonary embolism. From that, I developed heart issues, lung issues. My endocrine system crashed due to the huge doses of steroids that they gave me. I was on seven different kinds of medicine, beta blockers, uh, you know, you name it. I won't name them all right now. I was on oxygen. I couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. I was in bed for four weeks straight. I was sent home from the hospital even though they should have kept me because there was nowhere to put me. I was rushed to the emergency room one more time a couple days later. And again, they put me in a cafeteria and they let me go because they had no room for me. And they were out of oxygen too. So I had to find a sister that had an oxygen tank to lend me. And I questioned during this time if God loved me and I wondered if he had abandoned me. You ever feel that way when you're sick or alone or you're struggling and you feel like you have nobody and nobody wants to touch you, in a sense? You're like, man, is anybody even thinking of me? But then I found out every single person in church was praying for me. You guys praying for me fervently daily. And time was going by so slowly because I had to focus on every single breath I took. Let me just get a deep breath because I can't breathe. You know, my oxygen saturation was like at 85 for a while. Every breath was a struggle and painful. And I tell you what, Kristen was my hero through all this. You know, I found out as soon as I could rationally think and reason that even during some of the worst times in bed, when I thought, okay, I'm not going to make it through these next five minutes, that people were actually doing drive-bys by my house, praying. And, you know, one of, the, one of the nurses that I saw said, they basically sent you home to die. Because there was just no room for you. There was no way that they could help you. And the fact that you were all cheering me on helped me to see and realize how much God loves me. That's that thread running through and through my life. You know, Satan was constantly trying to accuse me during this time to tell me what a horrible Christian I was, even as I lay in bed not able to breathe. And to point out all my shortcomings. Maybe, Sergio, it was because of this that you did, that you're in bed dying right now. You know, and he does that to all of us when we're going through hard times. You might not be dying physically, but maybe you feel like you're dying emotionally or spiritually. And he throws accusations at you. You know, you may be going through that right now, or, you know, maybe you're not in one of those seasons, but you will be. Maybe you're about to enter one of those. But I want to testify that as much as I feel that God loves me and was there for me, even at my lowest point, 
God is there for you. God loves you. You know, sometimes in our troubles we feel lonely, but you're not alone. Because God is with you. And God loves you. In Romans 8, 33-39, it says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one that condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate us from the love that God has for us. No sin, no decision, no accusation from Satan, no attitude, no mistake. Even if you walked away from God or forgotten about Him completely or for a while, that cannot separate you from the love that God has for you. You may separate yourself from God, but God does not separate himself from you. Maybe you're angry with him. I tell you what, God could handle it. He's a big boy. (laughs) You know, I felt that during my illness. Man, I'm, I'm mad at God. You know, and I felt like at different times I accused God. And I was like, oh, he's going to send me straight to hell. And I had to reason after reading these scriptures. Okay, God, God can take my little baby fits. You can't do anything to make him not love you. And why is that? Because he thinks you are worth loving. That's the, God, that's the love that God has for you. You are awesome to God. You know, maybe you're a little bit of a prima donna like I was during my sick time. Maybe you feel like, how could God possibly love me after I've done all this and I've failed Him? And I tell you what, this shame that we often carry with us, it can lead you down a destructive path spiritually. Because you feel that, you keep on sinning. And you invite into your life perhaps patterns that you've had of sin or destructiveness that only end up hurting you. Because God still loves you. He still wants you back, but there are consequences often to be paid when we do that. When you feel like you have to measure up all the time, you set yourself up for failure. God's not looking for you to measure up. He just wants your love. He wants you to be present. He wants you to understand that He loves you. And I'm not saying that we should live a life of sin or one without standards. But when you expect perfection of yourself, it's also easy to judge other people. You look at other people and their shortcomings and their sin, and it's hard to love them and embrace them. You know, even in the fellowship, when somebody falls short, how hard it is for you to how hard is it for you to embrace them when you see some of their shortcomings? 
And you kind of get a little bit of an attitude. It's tough, right? And we, we treat ourselves the same way. It's a misunderstanding of God's love and grace for us. This is the reason why he sent Jesus to die for us. That when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for us when we were righteous. When we were behaving properly. And that love that God has for us, he still has. He still feels the same way about you now. He loves you deeply and completely. His love is amazing. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 through 17, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus, might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Jesus came to save us because he loves us, not because we've done something deserving of his love. He came to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. I relate with Paul. You know, and he showed mercy to all of us who have lived a sinful life and actually continue to sin. You know, we blow it regularly. I, I blow it regularly, and I need God's grace. And I need to remember, so I don't go down that path of destruction, that spiral, I need to remember God's love for me. I need to remember how much he loves me, how he brought me from a country where I would have probably lost my life to a country where I, I was welcome, but I received some treatment that hurt me. Where he led me down that path of pain and suffering to show me his kingdom and how awesome it is. And because I know pain and I know sin... Really seeing his kingdom and being part of his kingdom, I want to go nowhere else. Even when things get hard here, the hardest and days most full of struggle in the kingdom aren't even close in comparison to the best days in the world. This is the best place that we could be. This is the biggest blessing that we could have in our lives. I want to show you a video and then I want to talk about it a little bit. Let's go ahead and play that video. Did I press play again? not playing all right okay sure it's such an amazing video I want you guys to see it now go all right 
see if we could move on to the to the next point here. All right. So my second point here is that that God's love renews. As I was coming out of my COVID experience, <clears throat> you know, I was still very weak. I'm still it's been nine months now and I'm still recovering. I still have a hard time breathing. Uh, I have a hard time doing things. Uh, my my throat's still really inflamed. Uh, my heart does weird things. I was on uh, I was on beta blockers for six months, and as I try to come off the beta blockers, I would kind of relapse. My heart would you know go up to 160 beats per minute, uh, not just for a little bit. Like this was like all day long. I felt like I was jogging uh, or running um, the whole time. It was a very very scary feeling. But as I was coming out of that and I really was seeing how much God loves me and how much he saved me, you know, from myself and and from all these different things, I really started understanding that if I'm going to walk with God for the rest of my life, you know, I I don't want to be a constant roller coaster. I want to be somebody who's a little more steady because I'm passionate uh, you know, being Latino, you're a little passionate. <laughs> I, I can be a little crazy sometimes, and, you know, i got to ask forgiveness. But my wife has been such a rock and such an example of steadiness and faithfulness. God put her in my life to save me from myself. I think God knew that Sergio is not going to make it without Kristen in his life. And so, you know, God, God put her in my life. But I started recognizing, okay, I need to allow God's love to flow out of me in so many different ways, but it's got to renew me. It's got to be something that creates a new person in me. And as we read Psalm 51 here, verses 10 through 12, I think that's what David was after. You know, as he realized how, how much he had sinned or how greatly and gravely he had sinned towards God, look at what he prays for. He says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take away your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. When we comprehend God's love and when we experience it firsthand and His grace, it has the power to renew us. Many of us look back with fondness when we first became Christians and we started walking with God and the newness that we felt in our spirit. So much so that when we share, we often refer back to those times. And it becomes something that we do, even as public speakers, as preachers, We refer back to those times. But we'll get caught in a rut where we are not constantly allowing God's love to renew us on a constant basis. And we look back at those times. You know, the glory days, the good old days. Well, does God still love you the same today? Sergio, does God still work in your life the same way today as he did back then? Absolutely he does. And what happens is, i got to let God's love 
renew me. To allow it to create a pure heart in me and renew a steadfast spirit within me, not be this roller coaster. To allow the Holy Spirit to still speak to me. And I look back at past years and I think, how many times have I not listened to the Spirit? When the Spirit says, hey, do this or do that. You ever do that? You just kind of walk away because you're too busy. Maybe it was to share your faith with somebody or to do something special for somebody or, or, or to have a talk with somebody that looked like on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon that they weren't doing super well. But they were preoccupied with something. They didn't look right. And because we had other things going on, we just didn't ask. And if we don't allow God's love to renew us on a daily and a regular basis, you start putting out the Spirit's fire in you. And we start to kind of get into a rut spiritually where we come to church, right? We worship, and it's, man, it's awesome. The worship has been awesome today. You guys did an awesome job. And we worship, and we feel it, and it's awesome. It's awesome for us individually. But we want to be a fellowship that feels each other's love. Or because God's Spirit or God's love renews you, everybody else should have that experience from you as well. We should have a fellowship that is so vibrant. And I believe we do. But I think we could take it to another level. I think we could take it to a level where People walk in here and feel like we are amongst the people of God. Where no culture and no nationality and no socioeconomic level or status gets in the way of people saying, these are the people of God. Because God's love has renewed you. God's love has made you obviously one of His. As John 13, 34, and 35 says, right? By your love, people will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. And this love that renews is going to be apparent to all. How many of us don't want that? How many of us don't want to feel like, man, this last week, everything I felt as a brand new Christian, I feel, and even more. Because God's love has renewed me. But the accuser is right there saying, hey, you blew it. And you're not worthy. And these are some of the experiences that I went through in the last nine months. You blew it. You this, you that. That's why you're that way. That's why this happened to you. Man, and Satan is crafty. I want to read one final scripture here before we close out. Do we have that video or no? No? Okay. All right. And Isaiah 40. I could act it out, but it's not going to be the same. (laughs) No, I wouldn't be able to act it out. It is musical. In Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 to 31. It says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired 
and weary. And young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Sergio, I'm old, you may feel. I tell you what, I'm old. I'm 50 years old. I say that to the young folk. You know, Scott, the Sweeties and the Arguellos, we went to, uh, we went to an elders conference, uh, what was it, last week? week and a half ago? And we were the youngest ones in the room. And we, we felt like we were soaring on wings like eagles. I was like, this is awesome! But, you know, you, you may be feeling like, I've been a Christian a long time. I'm getting older. I'm getting a little tired. I'm getting weary. And this scripture is speaking to you and it's speaking to me. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. This is the God we serve. This is our Father. And He will not grow tired. He will not grow weary. And no one can fathom His understanding. And He gives strength to those that are tired and weary. To those that are feeling weak, He gives power. You know, even young people, they're going to get tired and weary. They get discouraged. They get worn out. They may feel like, man, I can't make it anymore. They stumble and fall. But if you hope in the Lord, there's one of those Scriptures that promises us something. If you hope in the Lord, God is going to renew your strength. What you had as a young Christian, as a zealous, fired up disciple of Jesus, you can have more of that even now. Because God loves you. He's rooting for you. And you'll be able to soar on wings like eagles. You'll be able to run and not grow weary. Walk and not be faint. And I think we need to look at this from a spiritual perspective. You might not be able to do some of these things physically anymore. But I tell you what, some of you who have been around longer than myself or the Sweeney, we've been around almost 30 years now. I tell you what, if you've been around longer than that, whether on earth or in the kingdom, you have so much to give. You have so much wisdom, experience, love in your heart, Things that God has done for you. We got the video now? <laughs> Woo, man. <clears throat> Scott, I'm, I'm going to have to go a couple minutes longer. Is, is that okay? For the, video, for, the video is incredible. Look at that. My, my timer giving me my two-minute warning. All right, let's go ahead and play the video. How do I know? A lot of people, when they think of the phrase, how do I know, they always want to put the what behind it. How do I know what I'm supposed to do? The question that you really should ask is, how do I know why I'm here? Because when you know your why, your what becomes more clear and more impactful. If you know, like for instance, people know that I do comedy, but that's what I do. My why is to inspire people to walk in purpose. So I can do comedy, I can write books. I can be in a movie, be in a movie because, because all, of, all it of it is motivated, motivated by, my, by why. my why. In fact, I have a new web series out called Michael, Michael Jr. Break, Break Time. Break time. 
uh, we uh, probably, we probably just, did just did the sixth six episode. episode. It's, on, it's YouTube. on YouTube. So every, so every single, single Wednesday, Wednesday at 3 o'clock, we drop, we drop a, new a new episode on YouTube, on YouTube of Michael Jr. Break, break Time. What it is, what it is, it is, is me. me. I travel I around the country and I do stand-up comedy in case you know. And in the middle of my comedy set sometime, I'll stop and just talk to my audience. And we've been filming this and it's... You know, it's, you know, it's, it's pretty, cool. pretty cool. So we're, so in, we're Winston in Winston Salem. Salem. I'm going to show you a clip from Winston Salem. Salem. And I'm just, and I'm talking, just talking, to talking to this guy in the audience, audience and he tells me that he's a, a, a musical instructor at a school. school. So I was like, all right, all right you're a musical instructor. You know, can you sing? Let me hear you sing a song. So this is what happened at the last episode of Michael's Michael's Break Time. Check it, check it. So you're a musical director. Yes, sir. All right, so... Let me get a couple Let me get a couple bars of like Amazing Grace. Let's do the first part of that. Go ahead, go ahead. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Wow. That brought us in. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right, all right. Now, what you give me the version is if, uh... Your uncle, Your uncle just got, just got out of jail. jail. You got, you shot, got shot in the shot back, in the when, back he when he was a kid. kid. I'm just saying, I'm let saying, me see the hood version real quick. Real quick you know what version I'm talking about. Just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. First time, the first I, actually time I actually seen, seen he, knew he knew what he was, what he doing. was doing. The second, the second time, time, he knew he why, why he was doing it. When you know, you know your why, why your what, what becomes, becomes more impactful, impactful because you're because walking, you're walking towards, towards or in, in your purpose. Your purpose. Amen. 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 Aren't you glad that Scott gave me the extra five minutes now? We know how to... Or we know what it is to be a Christian. You know, we know what it is to be loved by God. But when we understand the why, it makes our life and our experience a lot different. I knew how to be a Christian before all these different occurrences in my life and even before COVID and all through the hardships. But when I really came into contact you know, with the why. Because Jesus has forgiven me. Because Jesus has brought me through all these different things. 
Some people look at some of the things that they've gone through in their life, and some people go through difficult things. And I'm not even comparing myself to some of what people go through. But they could allow it to embitter them, or they could allow it to, they could allow it to see God's work in their life and make them better. And let that why drive them. And so this morning, I want to, again, thank you for your prayers and for your love. And, you know, some of you have been praying for me every day since I was sick. And please continue to pray that, that I heal 100%. You know, I appreciate that. That helps me understand my why. And why I need to keep living a Christian life the way I do and go after it with all of my heart. And I want to encourage you to do the same. To not just know what it is to be a Christian, but why you are one. And you should live a life completely in amazement for God's great love in your life. Thank you guys so much.